0: what's happening everyone my name is pastor kyle and you are listening to the weekly discussion podcast
1: (laughs) wow how to follow that and i pastor holly (laughs) do you ever see pastor kyle when you i mean we would have been so 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 young but there was this um sitcom right on ages and ages and ages ago like 30 something years ago about what was it called? It was the radio station, WKRP in Cincinnati. Do you ever see like reruns of that? You look confused. Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm a little bit older than yeah. that. That's what you sounded Sorry, like. Not, You're like, oh, yeah. Good morning. <laughs> <Good morning. laughs>
0: that's so funny. You know, like, uh, this is totally off topic, but you just talked about sitcoms when we were younger. Yeah. And uh, it's, it, you know, now we just live in a day and age where they're just. We don't have sitcoms like we used to. Right. What I mean is they're not on TV at a certain time with commercials in the middle. Right. Just get them off whatever streaming service you want now. Yeah. So the other day we were watching something, I think, on uh, on, a, on a TV channel. we were, um, And the kids were – this is crazy to me because we watch sports, right? We watch yeah. football and basketball, baseball. Those have breaks and have commercials in the middle of them. Sure. But for whatever reason, kids didn't make the connection that if they're watching a show on TV – it's gonna have a commercial. Oh, They're like, what is oh this? yeah, is really funny.
1: I guess with sports, like they can rationalize that the players are actually physically taking a break yes. like, during the commercials, right? Break. But yeah, I mean, if it's a recorded show, yeah, why break it up? Oh, how times have changed. That's right. <laughs> actually,
0: see, look at this, Pastor Holly. He's gonna be an amazing pastoral transition into oh, topic at some I'm point, ready. which is the role of technology in what we're talking about oh, and yeah. how things have changed.
1: Oh snap! That'll be such a good segue after you tell people what it means. I know
0: everyone's now like, "What is he talking about? Craziness!" Wow. (laughs) Well, uh, hello everybody. Uh, Yeah, we are uh, in the second week of uh, of our new series on prayer, and uh, yeah. So, I, Pastor Holly, I know we talked about this a little bit last week, but uh, in the discussion podcast, and certainly. On uh, the previous Sunday, not this last Sunday, but the one before it, the yep. first Sunday of January, being on January first in the morning, we gather together and talk about prayer. I thought that was such a cool way to begin uh, our year together. Yes,
1: yes. I liked that. Can we do January first on a Sunday every year? <laughs> yes, that would like, change the calendar. Yeah. and Just make that happen. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. That was, I liked that. It was a really good way to start the new year. Together. It was. Yeah.
0: We had a lot of a lot of people who really liked that yeah. as well. And then again, this. This past Sunday or yesterday, it's just I I just love the the beginning of of a a new year. Yeah, thinking about the idea of prayer and what that looks like and what that means, uh, and trying to learn more about it and how to do it.
1: Yeah. uh, Yes, absolutely. What a great way to just kick things off together. Yeah. Prayer is a good way to start just about everything. It's a good way to start just about everything.
0: We are. So the first week of our of our series, we talked about we're trying to think through how do we help people enter into thinking and learning about prayer, right? So, yeah. uh, as if if you've been around church at all at any point, you've probably heard a lot about prayer and a mm-hmm. lot about te- a teaching on prayer. But you know, I, I think the heart behind this for us is. We want to be able to encourage everybody, whether you've been praying for a long time, have been journeying with Jesus for a long time, or whether you're new to this and not sure what to do. Yeah. We've got we've got a spectrum of people like that here at Crossview, and so we started with the framework of thinking about prayer. Yeah, we connected the idea of prayer uh, to we saw all these circumstances uh, where uh, whether it was Jesus or Paul or. Uh, in these prayer moments, using this word paradise, which was translated garden. Yeah,
1: that was so cool. Yeah, and we made this, we
0: connected this thread throughout scripture of this invitation to the garden, um, <clears throat> referencing the Garden of Eden and God's kind of un unfiltered, like full presence that humanity gets to be in, in the yeah. midst of that. That's right. what this invitation to the garden is, and in the context of prayer, it's a powerful way to think about what prayer is.
1: Yes. Yes. And I hope that's an encouragement to people. If you uh, have experienced prayer as just maybe a, maybe sometimes a dry religious yeah. duty, uh, I'll say you're you're not alone in that. Like no. that, people experience prayer in that way. And I hope that this series, and particularly that first message, can kind of expand uh, the way that we think about prayer mm-hmm. and uh, the, our ability to recognize it as the relationship that it is, rather yeah. than uh, something to check off our. Our uh, Christian to-do list, right? Yes.
0: Which I, there's been so many times in my life where I felt like that. Uh, yeah. It's just a a, a duty, a, a something to do uh, to maintain this yeah. connection with God. But it is it is so much more than that. So much richer than that. And so uh, that was a good way to start our thinking about prayer. To think of create a framework, maybe a kind of a framework that's refreshing and and renewing. Maybe hadn't thought about it that way before. So. Good, yeah, uh, and then this last Sunday, uh, so the next step, okay, so we've got a framework that we're thinking about prayer, and so Pastor Holly, we were we were talking and just working through, okay, so what's the next step? Well, how do you, if you're going to start praying, how do you approach prayer, right? What is it that you do to start that, yeah, <laughs> yeah. whatever that is? And so, we uh, we kind of want to take an, an just one small step forward in our thinking here, we we want to continue to to shape how we think about prayer, but also we want to suggest that there is one kind of general posture yeah. that is you know, a really appropriate way to begin prayer, wh- whatever that prayer is going to end up looking like for you. And there's lots of different ways to pray, and yes. we'll talk about some of those in the weeks to come, but um, is there a general way that you kind of—a posture to which you come into prayer uh, that kind of works— no matter what, that's what we're talking about today.
1: Right, yeah. And we're talking about um, really a, a spiritual posture here, right? Yeah. Because maybe you were taught yes. to Good. pray in a with a particular physical posture, yes. right? Maybe you kneel, maybe you uh, bow your head and close your eyes, fold your hands. Those, there are some physical postures that we've been, been taught to take. Those are not bad things, um, but we're talking about a, 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 a bigger, uh, more holistic way of approaching prayer, any kind of prayer.
0: Yes, thank you for that clarification, Pastor Ollie, because... You know, I I come from a primarily evangelical uh, background in a a couple of different uh, forms. Grew up Lutheran, actually, uh, and then moved into free Methodism when I was maybe about 10. So uh, I just assume a sense of freedom in terms of your physical posture, which is not the case for everybody. Yeah, right. Yeah, Thanks. Good. So the the there's kind of a couple of scriptures that we want to walk through and look through that help us understand a really good posture for prayer. And the first one is from the Old Testament, and the next couple are from the New Testament because they all are about how Jesus did it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Which that's a pretty good gauge of what you should do in prayer.
1: <laughs> yeah. If you want an example, he's a good one. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He's probably the best. Prob's the best. <laughs> probably. Probably. Yeah, see, probably. See, yeah. prob. It's a pretty good chance. Yeah. Thanks. Probs. Yeah. <laughs> probs. See, I gotta I gotta sound cool. You know. I, Well, you keep, you keep trying. (laughs) Addison, my daughter keeps, I keep trying to do this kind of stuff on purpose and she just rolls her eyes and then she walks away.
1: (laughs) Which is the only appropriate response. Yeah. Like if she's
0: listening to this podcast, she probably, yeah, she probably just paused, turned it off. She's no longer listening. She's no longer listening. Bye Addison.
1: (laughs) It was nice having you
0: here. Oh, wow. Sorry. We got, I got, I just got us real distracted. So this, the the uh, Old Testament scripture we're looking at is Psalm 46. So Psalm 46 is this really amazing prayer. Actually, there's this kind of cool beginning. Sometimes the Psalms will tell you it's written for a choir or it might tell you it's written by this person or that. Yeah. Um, Psalm, excuse me, Psalm 46, it says it's, it's attributed to the sons of Korah, which is, uh, I mean, you you probably just have read, uh, if you've read that, you've probably just read over that. Don't know who that is. Doesn't matter. You just read Psalm. But the, the cool thing about the sons of Korah is it's it's shorthand for the crew that David had gathered together for a prayer, all day, all night prayer in the tabernacle. So it was, he's, this is essentially like his pro-level prayer group. Yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, that prayed all the time. They're the ones who are essentially that this psalm is attributed to isn't that cool
1: that is cool so this is this is a prayer coming from people who prayed all the time
0: yeah, yeah. like I I'm, designated prayers yes, designated yeah. expert prayer people right yeah hmm. so they're gonna have some wisdom to share with us it's just kind of fun yeah you think about it that way <laughs> it is yeah so the whole first part of this psalm and I won't read the whole thing because it's it's not that long but it is maybe uh, long enough that I won't read the whole thing uh, the whole first two-thirds of this psalm focus th- its entire attention on who God is and what God has done. Yeah. Will do, done in the past, is doing right now. I mean, so it just says, God is our refuge and strength. Woo, right there. Great way to start. My goodness. God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in a time of trouble. So we will not fear when, the earthquake, when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. I mean, these are like apocalyptic, like... Uh images here, yeah. yeah, this is big stuff. <laughs> big stuff. Uh, when the earthquakes come, mountains are crumbling into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam, let the mountains tremble and the as the waters the waters surge. All of that can happen and everyone's okay or they're okay because God is their refuge and strength. Right. It goes on. A river brings joy to the city of God, the sacred home of the most high. God dwells in that city. It cannot be destroyed from the very break of day. God will protect it. Uh, the nations are in chaos, their kingdoms crumble, God's voice thunders, and the earth melts. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. So just more, like more of that, yeah. right? That's as the psalm goes. It just keeps keeps that intensity up the whole yes. time. Yes,
1: God is powerful and big and magnificent and glorious, and all of these uh, really kind of superlatives about God.
0: Yeah. yeah. So the psalm... I, I, we were just talking earlier, I love thinking about the song this way. It kind of hit me, which when you hear a song playing, uh, sometimes s- s- songs get really exciting if they kind of build and build and build in their intensity, maybe yeah. the layers of the music that they have in there, all the way to the chorus. And You're just like, oh, this is so awesome. And then every song, if you don't know this, this is kind of fun, every song has what's called a bridge or a B section. So you have your verse and chorus in every song, and then about two thirds of the way through the song, you will always have a section of the song that sounds different mm-hmm. from the others. That is a bridge or is a chorus. It's, it's designed to kind of give you a break from the normal parts of the song. It's supposed to be interesting. It's yeah. supposed to draw you back in and then you get hit, then bam, off you are at the ending of the song, right yeah. to the chorus ending of the song. I love, I, uh, to me, like, I'm always, I'm always super interested in that bridge section, right? Yeah. I'm always like, the song's great, but it better have a good bridge section, right? <laughs> That's
1: a really cool pattern, and now now everyone will be listening for every yeah, song. Yeah. There's the bridge.
0: And yeah. you'll hear, just go, yeah, yeah. Uh, after this podcast, though, go listen yes. to a song. <laughs> right. You'll hear it. So this psalm kind of works like that, where you get to this intense, the intensity of the chorus, and then it almost, like, stops mm-hmm. and breaks down, like, gets real quiet, because after we look at God, we see what He's done, then the prayer experts tell us what we should do. So be still and know that I am God. Period. I
1: love it. It's so good. You can just hear, you can hear the instruments stop and you can hear the hush come over yeah. uh, the, the music and then this. Be still.
0: Be still. I mean, it's it's incredible. So the first thing that we notice from the psalm is that it starts out with a bang about God, and then it immediately helps us by, uh, by shifting. Our, it immediately helps us by shifting our thoughts on God, um, and then it tells us to be still in the midst of all of that. So yeah. the best posture of prayer, it doesn't. I think in terms of our mindset, it doesn't begin with us, which often prayer can. Yeah, but it begins with God, as we recognize who God is and who we are. Our job—the first thing that we're supposed to do—is to be still.
1: It's kind of freeing, isn't it? Yeah, we don't—we don't have to bring anything in particular to God. We don't have to bring uh, any any particular um, question or set of just anything. We just have to be still.
0: Yeah, it, it's. It is, I think freeing is the right word for it. Yeah. I mean, how many times have either you heard, we hear this a lot in pastoral ministry, but even how many times have we said or thought, I don't know what to say. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't know what to do.
1: Words fail me. Right. Yeah. Great.
0: Right.
1: You are in the good spot to begin
0: praying. You're in a good spot to begin praying. I think, uh, you know, in, in my study through seminary and, and other things, one of the most significant insights or aha moments for me where I went to another level of depth of prayer, when I learned that, uh, for me, mo- the most significant prayer that I'm going to experience comes in silence, yes. where, where I don't say anything. Yeah. In fact, I uh, one of my favorite memories from seminary, um, sorry, from undergraduate, is I was studying with a, a Quaker professor, mm-hmm. and he was teaching me about silent worship and prayer, and so one of my one of the exercises that he gave me was to go into a prayer chapel on campus and to sit in silence for two hours every day for seven days in a row. Wow. Uh, oh my goodness, that was so difficult to do. <laughs> it was so tough. But by the end of it, uh, by the, yeah, the end of it was incredible. I mean, it, by the end of that that seventh day, even it, though it was still difficult, it was... The prayer experience that I had, the time flew by. In fact, uh, at some point, I'd love to tell this story. I mentioned this on the first um, Sunday of our series, too, but my my pastoral calling experience came in some significant prayer moments over the course of about five or six years. This was the last one of those. Wow. Where at the end of these seven days of two hours of silence every day, I had a significant experience where the Lord called me to, to ministry. and so, uh, But... I, I wasn't there just talking a lot.
1: Right, right. We don't have a lot of opportunity or a lot of practice with silence in our culture uh, today. So I can imagine that that would have been a really significant and formative time for you. Um, 14 hours of silence over the course of a week—that's uh, that's that's a lot. That's very countercultural, and yeah. um, and how wonderful and remarkable that you heard from the Lord in mm-hmm. that time, that, yeah. that that says a lot about uh, the benefit of silence in yeah. prayer.
0: And that's not guaranteed of course. that you'll yeah. hear something from the Lord in silence, uh, in this type of, uh, this posture of prayer. But I mean, Pastor Holly, I think one of the things that makes this idea difficult and hard for us to do on a regular basis is we are not you just said it, we're not accustomed to silence. Yeah. And I actually think that our culture, uh, our individual and daily lives has gotten more busy mm-hmm. and more distracted over the course of the last 10, 20 years.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. We can see that pretty pretty clearly just through our uh, dependence on technology, on um, the, the 24-7 uh, media culture that we're in. I will date myself and say that I... <laughs> Can remember when it, you know, the TV stations used to turn yeah. off at midnight. Right. <laughs> yes. No longer. No longer. Yeah. Now it's information all the time and yeah. at our fingertips. And, um, and I think we've lost, we've lost something there.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean, you just think about the access of to information that we have yeah. on our phones. Are the these are such powerful, full fledged computers? Yes. I mean, as I was doing the research about what this kind of stuff. For this message, the tip, the average um, that we pick up our phone and, and look at it or touch it is once every 30 to 40 seconds. Oh, my goodness. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. That's hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of times a day that our attention is focused on this device. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And we know that there's plenty of research, there's plenty of data that shows what that does to our minds and bodies and and spirits too. Yeah. Um, that that constant distraction, how difficult it is for us to uh, to refocus if we're distracted from uh, whatever we're doing. Then the the amount of um, time and ener- energy that it takes to refocus is is tremendous. So essentially, we're interrupted again before we can refocus again. Yeah, um, and that's pretty constant for mm-hmm. us. So. Um, so being still is not something that comes naturally in our current era.
0: right. In fact, I heard someone uh, reflect um, this last week. they said that all those little moments where we're touching the, the phone or, or distracted, whether it's the phone or other, the other in other ways, yeah. all those little moments were potential portals to prayer. He mm. wrote uh little moments throughout our days that could wake us up to the reality of God all around us now those moments are swallowed up by a, the digital carnivore <laughs> is Ooh. what he said <laughs> which is i mean Good i don't want to lay on the guilt too too much here um but there's there's a reality in all of our lives uh where i mean i remember yeah do you do you remember what it was like to just sit in a doctor's office in a waiting room and you had a a magazine maybe yeah or an old one an old one <laughs> And or you talk to the person. Or
1: you next, to you. The person next to You talk to the person next.
0: You're waiting in, in, you know, in at Starbucks, yeah. uh, and you're not. You don't have. You're just. You're looking around. Your mind is wandering. I mean, those mm-hmm. moments are gone now.
1: They are largely gone, and and you're right. This, this is not about uh, guilt or or shaming uh, anybody for their habits. Us right. for our own we, habits. Yeah, right. Yeah, We're totally. certainly We're part of it. Yep. Um, but it is to say that there are there are some uh, some antidotes and yes. spiritually an antidote to this kind of busyness and hurriedness and and really this kind of frenetic pace that we keep um, can be found in prayer yeah.
0: in prayer and in this idea of stillness yes. and this idea of stillness as a pathway to lots of different avenues of prayer right yes. uh, that's that's the focus here <laughs> I mean. So let's look at a few moments from Jesus's life because uh, the, you probably have heard, you know, I don't know, I'm guessing you've heard sermons on this, teachings on this before. But this is fascinating when you see this in Jesus's life. Um, all of the Gospels talk about this practice of Jesus, uh, and but what I think one of the fascinating, most fascinating, is from Matthew chapter three at the very beginning, or sorry, about halfway through, and um, in, starting in verse sixteen, you we get the story of Jesus' baptism. Yeah. Right. So Jesus gets baptized. He comes up out of the water and this is one of the moments. This is really cool where the spirit of God, it says, descends on him like a dove and a voice from heaven said, this is my, my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Like, wow. Okay. Talk about a a mountaintop experience, right? Right. That's an intense spiritual experience. (laughs) And the very next line, then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness. Uh, for 40 days. For 40 days. Yeah.
1: Yes. Um I love you. You bring me great joy <laughs> and now I'm leading you into this empty place yeah. to be tempted.
0: Yeah. It feels by weird. the devil. Yeah, by the devil. <laughs> and it feels weird. Throw it on. Yeah, just yeah, just tack that on there. But uh but this word wilderness here and we'll see this throughout the the New Testament specifically and almost always referenced referenced here uh when Jesus goes off somewhere. Wilderness, it's not like uh, or, or other translations would say desert. Mm-hmm. It's it's not necessarily meaning like a large place full of sand and no trees. Right. It's not necessarily meaning wilderness, as in he's going into a forest.
1: That's what we see in the pictures, right? Like right. The the s- Jesus storybooks are all Jesus sitting on a rock in a yeah in a desert. Yeah, yeah, a little
0: uh, crow next to like yeah, a little skeleton crow, of a squirrel like or whatever sagebrush. Yeah. Exactly. By. Yeah. <laughs> But the word there could be translated as, uh, as it could be translated, I mean, it has a number of different meanings, wilderness or, or, or desert, uh, but often it's translated as lonely place mm-hmm. or the quiet place. Yeah. And this is yeah. the cool connection when you put these things together and you see the threads that it's the quiet place that Jesus often goes to after or before significant moments of ministry or encounter with God. Yes. So in other words, these this quiet place is where he gets filled up or where he recovers. Right. It's amazing.
1: Yes. Wow. Yeah. And in this uh, story too, I mean, I think that you can see if we continue in the story that there's a there's a wrestling that happens. There's a, a struggle that happens, a temptation, right, that he uh, overcomes here too. And as you were um, sharing about your experience in those times of silence, that week of silence um, that, that you took, you said it was hard. Yeah, it was not really easy hard. to sit there in a quiet place for so long, um, but it is where you were filled up and, yeah. and sounds like prepared for uh, this life of ministry. Yeah.
0: I mean, I, one of the things that happened to me in that space is I quickly realized how much is going on under the surface, yeah. how how yeah. how noisy and loud my mind and heart were. Yes. I mean, it was like, okay, I'm done with all the physical noise. Now I hear all the noise in my head, thoughts I knew were there, thoughts I didn't know were there. Yeah. You get down to the heart level and you're like, oh, I didn't know I felt like that about this. And you start yeah. to kind of work your way through all of that. It's, it was incredible. And you know, Jesus, I think, does some of the same kinds of stuff uh, in these moments with God. Uh, so when you get to this baptism story and Jesus goes off into the to the wilderness in in the in Mark's gospel, what's really amazing is that right after that, this is in Mark chapter uh, chapter one, uh, <laughs> Jesus. Goes through that experience after the 40 days. And then this this chapter in Mark is essentially about Jesus' first day on the job, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. After he comes back from this uh, this quiet place experience for 40 days. The chapter is chock full of ministry. Yeah. Jesus is super busy. Yeah. <laughs> he's healing people, he's teaching, he's casting out demons, he's performing miracles. I mean, it's nuts. And he goes like all day into yeah. the night. Uh and then I love it in, in Mark chapter one, verse 35, it says before daybreak. So this is after that, that first day before daybreak, the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray.
1: The next morning. Yeah.
0: So he just gets back from this 40 days away. He does one day of ministry and the very next morning he has to go back. Yeah. That's, I love it. What, and so Joe Kingley, one of the authors that we were reading and talking about, he writes this. You think that Jesus would have slept in that morning? Yeah. Right, like, gone for a light run, then had brunch with his disciples. Nothing. Po- nothing says post Sunday recovery like a farmer scramble. <laughs> <laughs> <Isn't> that great? <laughs> That's not what Jesus did. He went to the quiet place. Yes. To to pray, to be filled up, to recover, and find strength.
1: And this is Jesus we're talking about yeah. here. I mean, sometimes I read through the gospels and it's it's easy to think, I mean, Jesus is God, Jesus is divine, Jesus has the uh the power and strength of God. Yeah. And yet Jesus is also fully human yeah. and uh and dealt with the same distractions and tiredness and busyness uh that all of us yeah. uh face and so the way that he um Uh, Dealt with that. The way he recovered from that or prepared for that was through uh, going to this quiet place. Yes,
0: going to the quiet place. So it's not just a one-time experience for Jesus. Not something he does once. It's something he does over and over and over again. You see it all through the Gospels. So this is compelling, (laughs) right? Yeah. Because uh, obviously we have distraction in our lives. We're busy people, uh, and often we don't go to our quiet place with right. this we don't come to prayer we don't come to prayer with this type of posture it's maybe I'm gonna say a whole bunch of stuff for you know a couple of minutes and then yeah. I'm out God I've got stuff to do right um, so this has been insightful you know this is insightful when we think about prayer and we learn about prayer the prayer expert David's prayer experts tell us about this Jesus models this for us in his own life yeah it starts with a recognition of who God is. And then bam, the the invitation to be still. Yes. And Jesus always, in his prayer life, it's that word that's connected to the, the lonely place or the quiet place. And it's always that place where it's him and the Lord. Go read these stories. It's fascinating. Like once the disciples, they come find him in the quiet place. They're like, Jesus, come on, there's more to do. Yeah,
1: where are you? And
0: he's like, sorry, no. Right? Like we're moving on. Right? Woo, it's important.
1: It is important. And it's it goes against the way that we typically behave. Yeah. I love um just this this thought of entering prayer with this posture of stillness and quietness and um and the the practice that that takes of not just maybe not allowing ourselves to enter with a frenzy of words. Yeah. Right? Maybe yeah. taking that step back to say I'm I'm going to wait. I'm going to not say anything yeah. at first and um See where that leads.
0: That's maybe a great way to begin this practice, yeah. because I know if you're a busy person, let's say you're a parent of young children, and you've, or maybe you're a single parent of young children, you yeah. also have to work, and you're like, right. where in the world am I ever going to find time to do this? Yeah. Like, uh, maybe a first step to trying to prioritize this practice is just what you said, Pastor Holly, which is when you pray, don't say much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just be quiet.
1: Does that sound strange coming from pastors? When you <laughs> pray, just don't say anything.
0: No, it's yeah. so it's good. Yes. It's good to take yes. those
1: moments of of stillness, and I think what we'll find as we practice this more is that uh, the more we can come before God in stillness and in quietness, the more that will become a part of who we are. Will become part yes. of our spirits, and we will find ourselves living mm-hmm. in a in a way that uh, brings more stillness and more yes. quietness. Yes,
0: so, yeah. yes, yeah. We could oh man, we could say so much more about all this yes. and how it that connection with God's spirit can ground you and reorient you and all that kind of stuff. But we, I want
1: we should probably just be still. Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's how we're gonna end yeah. this <laughs> this podcast this week. It's just gonna be silent. You won't know when the end of it is. Oh no. <laughs> we're just gonna be silent. <laughs> we love you it's all. <laughs> this is terrible. Go find some silence, be encouraged from the Lord. Bye.